Good afternoon. You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. It is in the booth with me, your host, Alexandra Fernandez, and I'm joined by my colleague, Gabe Korth, our studio sessions coordinator here at CFRC. How are you doing, Gabe? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. We've had a fun day here at CFRC, and it's about to get a lot more fun because... Today in the booth, we have very special Kingston guests with us, and I'm very excited to chat with them today. We're joined by two of the amazing people from the wilderness. We have Liam Neal, who does keys, and we have Carl Tombach on bass. And uh, we're unfortunately not joined by the other three members of the wilderness, Joes Lewis Anthony, um, who does vocals and guitar, Nick Lennox, who does saxophone, percussion and vocals, and and Henry Lawrence, who plays the drums and also does vocals. But let's welcome Liam and Carl to CFRC. How are you guys doing today? We're great. Thanks very much for having us. Yeah, very excited to be here. Very excited to have you on. So uh, before we kind of jump into it, can you introduce yourselves for us a little bit? Besides, I guess, what I kind of <laughs> mentioned earlier and talk about how you kind of came to form the wilderness for people who may not know. I know you guys are kind of originally from all over the place, some from England, some from the U.S., some from Canada. So how did you kind of all end up meeting and creating this band? Funnily, well, we were brought together by Queens largely, but uh, Jonas was kind of the outlier there. Uh, But yeah, basically what happened was our original guitarist Sasha and I started playing tunes as soon as Sasha was in first year university. I was in second year at the time. Okay. And Sasha met Henry, and then we kind of started just playing open mics around. And we were playing an open mic at Musiki when Jonas was working there. And uh, then we were just kind of jamming, and uh, at the end of the night, nobody really cared how long we played. So we just invited Jonas to jam with us on stage. Yeah. And then we were having cigarettes outside after, and Jonas was like so psyched about it, was just like, we have to form a band. And then we had like a band practice a week later, and then we had a Facebook page and a band name, and it all really spiraled really fast because. Jonas is that kind of proactive person mm-hmm. that just wants to get stuff done. And so he really put like, he really put gas in the tank. Uh, and this was at the very beginning. Liam, maybe you can tell them about how you joined in. Yeah. Yeah. So I came in in 2017 when I was uh, at the end of university. I was living with Carl and Henry and just kind of towards the end of the year, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life yeah. as, a, as a new graduate. Um, and then I got a, again, Jonas kind of being this person who kind of starts a lot of processes, uh, messaged me just asking if I wanted to come along on a U.S. tour that they were doing uh, since I'm an American citizen. And, you know, I was a, like friends with all these guys. Mm-hmm. And I know like enough about, you know, musical equipment because I grew up as a drummer uh, to kind of be that extra set of hands and uh, help out. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I'd love to do that. Uh, let me just kind of get my ducks in a row. And then I came back to our house that night and ran into Henry, our drummer, and him and I just kind of started chatting about, well, less chatting and more scheming about ways (laughs) to get me on stage. And uh, I'd never played keyboard before, but we figured out that I could play the three notes for a chord. And we kind of figured out a setup. It was just a laptop and like a weird drum pad thing. And then again, we, we jammed the next day and everyone kind of looked around and was like, oh, all right, I guess we need to find an extra set of hands to help because, like, you're coming with us. And that was, yeah, five years ago at this point. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, 2017, five years ago. It's <laughs> not a fun thing to think about. But, no, that's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, Carl, when you kind of, you know, started with Jonas and stuff, uh, what was that in the same year or a little bit before? This would have been about two years before. In 2015, in January 2015, we started. 
And I really don't mind saying that we were pretty bad for a <laughs> while. I think a lot of bands are because like you're just kind of trying to figure out everyone's roles. Uh, like at the very beginning, uh, we also had another guitarist, Scott Goodwin. So we had four dudes who wanted to play guitar and one drummer. And so like bass was just like a role that was kind of given to me. Uh, mm -hmm. And we were all kind of singing too. So it was just a whole big mess. Um, so, but it took maybe a year or two to start finding our footing and uh, to start to like zone in on uh, what we were actually trying to achieve. And then one another thing that really helped that is maybe like a year after Liam joined, uh, we through the music scene uh, met Nick Lennox, who plays our saxophone. And he, uh, we sort of Jedi mind tricked him into being in the <laughs> band by just being like, "Oh, come up we, on stage for this song." Come we, up. we fully Jedi mind tricked him. There was yeah. no halfway about it. Yeah, it was. And, it went from like, "Hey, come jam on these songs," to, "Oh man, we've got this gig coming up that it'd be great if you were there for." To, <laughs> cool. So your next two like six six months are free because these are your commitments. Yeah, I don't care what else is going on. Yeah. And at that point, it sounds like you folks are kind of out of school by then. Um, but I know that Nick was still in school at that time. I was actually in music classes with him at the time at Queens. We had a few classes together and whatnot. Um, and yeah, like how was it kind of, you know, balancing um, the people who were kind of still in different points at their in their life and maybe didn't have so much independence to like maybe tour and perform and record and whatnot. How did you kind of find that balance with everyone, especially for being such a big band? Because you guys were, a, were you a six piece at that point? As soon as Nick joined, we became a six yeah. piece. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. So if you I, talk about, a bit I, about that. I think that that was just good practice for us because like the whole scheduling and maintaining everybody's, um, you know, priorities uh, has become even more of a thing, I think, after school. School is a little bit more lenient. You have a little less uh, responsibilities, uh, especially if you're not working at the same time, right. which I think largely we weren't. Uh, but now that we are all like maintaining daytime jobs at the same time as doing the band thing, it's probably more challenging because those commitments are a little bit more ironclad. And at the same time, we try to do our best to make sure that it does not like affect our uh, progression as a band, really. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's awesome. And, you know, it's good that, you know, now you've kind of like, you know, settled and you've had a lot of time to like perform with each other and kind of get into that routine, figure out what it is that you guys, you know, want to do and where you want to take this band. And you can kind of, you know, really put all your time and energy into it, which you guys are clearly doing and making a great name for yourself. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. So on that note, um, you guys are performing at Spring Reverb this Saturday. That's, that's right. Great. June 4th at Ale House. Very excited. You're stoked. Are you, how does it feel to perform a homecoming show? Uh, homecoming shows are they're, they're they always seem to be a little bit more stressful building up um, because it you know they're they're typically some of our bigger shows since mm -hmm. we are a Kingston based band that's where we've cultivated the largest fan base so they typically scale up a lot um, and at the same time you know it's it's there's a lot going on too because all your friends are there you know your family's there people you know in town so there's a lot more kind of buzz and excitement about it and you kind of hear about it more. Um, so that that kind of makes it a little bit more, uh, I guess, high pressure. But at the same time, the the payoff from hometown shows is always, always spectacular. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it feels really good, like pulling all those elements together and, you know, getting getting to perform the people that that we know and love. It's it's really amazing to go and see strangers and kind of win them over and, yeah. and, and see them getting into it. But there's something about 
uh, performing to people that that know you and, and know your material. And uh, especially as we've been kind of going over the last couple of years, people are now showing up knowing the songs, knowing like all of the songs mm-hmm. and singing along through the whole show. And, and that's that's a really special feeling. And it's really, really affirming for us, too, because it's like, all right, people. You know, this matters to people other mm-hmm. than just us, uh, and that's that's really nice. Yeah, I think another thing that sort of adds to the pressure, if you would, is the fact that like Kingston has sort of watched us grow up as a band. Mm-hmm. They've seen us when we were that terrible five piece in 2015, and they've seen us busking on the street. They've seen us in the Brooklyn days and stuff like that. And we always just want to be showing progression and showing growth. Mm-hmm. So like this alehouse show is sort of like an opportunity for us to just be like. Like, well, you think you've seen the wilderness before, but have you seen this? Right. And do you guys think that, especially with COVID um, and, you know, having so much time off relatively from performing and whatnot, do you think that there's been a lot of progression in the way that your band has been since, like, let's say the start of 2020 to now? And, like, do you find that um, you perform differently, perform better, perhaps, Um yeah. I think COVID for us was largely a thing to overcome, actually. I, I think it kind of maybe sent us into a regression, mentally speaking. Yeah. Because I personally, well, speaking, yeah, again, speaking personally, I think that I've never really had stage fright until I came back from COVID. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, anxiety before shows became kind of common. And I've just been doing my best to not let that stop me from putting on the show because that anxiety does just kind of melt away as soon as the first notes of the first song are hit. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I am instantly in my zone. I know exactly what to do. Uh, but at the same time, I think over COVID, it was really reaffirming to all of us of, about like why we do what we do mm-hmm. because the passion was burning the entire time and that was like a really painful thing to experience not being able to follow your passion not being able to do what you want to do mm-hmm. and so when those shows opened up again that's probably why the anxiety started it was because like we've gone so long without the thing that we want and now that we can have that thing it's that much more precious right to, to take that a step further i i would say that um that level of, of preciousness that we feel about the shows, not that we didn't take things seriously before, but there's, um, I think, one, we're all a little bit older and a little bit more uh, mature, but at the same time, like, it's, there's no longer any notion of being able to take anything for granted because we, you know, the first lockdown happened three days after we finished recording our debut album. Oh, wow. So the Until it was, Tomorrow album? Yeah, yeah. So it was really, like, really like getting the rug pulled out from under you oh yeah and (laughs) in my opinion since we've come back like we are not an entirely different band but we have stepped up in almost every single way uh in terms of the way we perform uh our skill at at performing these songs our interactions with one another the level of thought and detailing we've we've put into set listing stage show lighting making sure that everything sounds right and making sure everything is is really is really amazing and really is something that you would expect to see on a very, very large stage or mm-hmm. like an arena somewhere. Like some of the best feedback we've gotten from from people the first time we've played for them in this kind of, I guess, post-COVID era is that they're astounded that they basically went to an arena show in a 200-person club. And mm-hmm. that's, and that's you know, we strive to give people a, a 
even more of a, a performance than they expected to get. Right. And I think that's something since COVID that we've been really able to accomplish and I'm, something I'm personally really proud of us for, for doing. Awesome. Well, now I'm really excited to see you guys perform um, on Saturday, um, which will be great. Yeah, I've been wanting to, you know, come and see the wilderness for ages and stuff. And then, um, yeah, and then COVID hit, that funny thing called the pandemic. Uh, but no, it's really stoked to see you guys perform soon. Um, and, you know, a lot of artists and musicians, um, you know, really, really like top ones, you know, a lot of times they're not really necessarily involved in like the production aspect, maybe of, you know, depending on who you're talking about, but the production aspect of their shows. So it sounds that you guys really are as a band and you something yeah, that you want to make yeah. that experience very um well, you want to connect with your audience in that way. And it's really awesome that you guys are very um, involved in that whole process. Um, is that something that you kind of, you know, pride yourselves on? Is that something you want to continue doing? Is it difficult not having someone to kind of manage that for you, but doing it yourselves on top of just being performers in general? It's, I mean, it's definitely more difficult. Like there's, there's certainly times where you'd think to yourself like, oh, it'd be super nice if there was, a, you know, someone who planned out the show for you and like yeah. took care of all the like, uh, back and forth details and mm -hmm. like set up interviews and you know took kind of care of all the admin stuff and we could just think about playing but at the same time like this this band kind of formed from a really DIY um, ethos and even though we're not really a DIY band anymore I think we still carry that mentality with us and that the involvement we have with the stage show and kind of thinking through all the details of everything um, really just emerged out of necessity because there wasn't anyone to kind of plan any of this out for us. And we, to kind of keep ourselves pushing forward, had to learn how to do these things ourselves. So going forward, I see personally no reason that we would step back and like fully take our hands off the wheel, even with uh, outside help, because um, I think we all take a lot of pride in mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that, doing that things. would be one thing to emphasize is that like we definitely don't do it all by ourselves. We have like a very talented crew yeah. of mm -hmm. people uh, but our DIY background sort of means that we've assembled them together. We have an awesome sound guy in Jeff Chown mm -hmm. and our uh, guitar tech, Mike Candlish, who is also an extra set of hands in sort of every level of production. Our light guy, Pete, and then Celine Klein with uh, videography and mm -hmm. photography. Uh, but at the same time, like, if you were to, like, distill it down, yeah, we're kind of managing all these people to make sure that our stage show is sort of matching what we're visualizing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, yeah, having that DIY background, I think, has just kind of helped us know what we want out of our shows yeah. and be able to help direct those people who are helping. Mm -hmm. And it definitely helps you to kind of execute your vision as a band forward and having that experience. And that's only going to, you know, help you um, further down the road as you guys um, progress as a band. Um, Gabe. Yeah, so in having a band with several people, it must be difficult sometimes to come together um, on issues. So when it comes to um, the creative process, is there a certain person that begins that? Is there like an element of music that gets it going? Or is there like a musician that you take inspiration from or attempt to emulate? There's a, a lot of musicians that we take um, inspiration from and emulate in our own ways. Uh, and it's just largely the musicians that we listen to when we're all in the van together. Like, mm -hmm. obviously, for Jonas, Bruce Springsteen was his biggest inspiration. Uh, a lot of us really uh, also come from like a heavy metal background. Um, but in terms of the creative process, uh, 
there's a several of us who write songs and they always will be taking the lead on just forming the bones of the song. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of sort of discussion that ha happens after that where we're building the song up usually from the drums to the bass and then the keys and guitars. And it's all collaboration. And basically the main point of communication has to be that everybody has to share the same end goal vision. And uh, that can be tough to communicate. Uh, but we've been working together for so long and we've spent so much time together in playing shows, just touring generally, being in the van together. We've essentially all been living together for a long time. So we do have a kind of shorthand with each other where we can communicate much more effortlessly than I think most people would be, especially in a musical collaborative situation. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, in terms of like resolving conflict around those things, that's always ongoing. But I think that the main thing is that we have a very open form of communication and we try not to hide absolutely anything from each other. And as long and as arduous as that can be, it really helps so that everybody feels like they left nothing on the table and all ideas sort of get tried out. And so everybody can see what the idea is before they say no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, I, it's funny. Carl mentioned the the, the shorthand thing, and, and right before we came to this interview, we were uh, we were at a rehearsal, and um, Nick, our sax player, was commenting on that and how if you were just kind of to walk into one of our rehearsals, it 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 wouldn't sound like people are like speaking a cohesive language to one <laughs> another. It's I even forget what we were talking about today, but it was like, yeah, you go to the room section, and everyone was like, oh yeah, 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 obviously that part, yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the the biggest thing for for a lot of the songwriting thing is is um, and and kind of the creative process is 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 like with most things, it's just reps at doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, because the way the way we put together songs, like when I first joined the band, is much is much different than it is now. There's a lot of the same kind of like seeds of collaboration and kind of working through things, but. You know, as we spend more time with one another, everyone kind of also gets better at figuring out, you know, where where their role is and where they can best contribute to songs. Mm -hmm. That's that's been a big thing for me, at least, is kind of, um, you know, as I've been learning my instrument with learning to be in a band um, or keyboards, at least uh, it's it's been like, OK, so this is where I can really push this song to the next level with, say, a specific set of sound selections or voicing a chord a different way or putting a lead here. And it's also a big thing is uh, being able to hear no in, mm -hmm. in kind of a collaborative situation because that's, that's a thing we've all had to grow with is like learning to set aside personal pride for the sake of the material and making sure that the songs we're putting out like hit the end goal we're looking for and are something that we're all collectively proud of, even if it means cutting a part that you thought was really, really cool, if it's not what kind of democratically we all visualize and, and see and hear, then it has to go. And, you know, it's not worth taking out your frustration on your, on, on your best friends for mm -hmm. just trying to do, because at the end of the day, as much as we are friends, this is still a job. Yeah. And so like we have to maintain professionalism with one another in addition to being really close and basically being family at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to disassociate your identity from your ideas because yeah. sometimes your ideas will get shot down by the group and you can't take that personally. You can't yeah. f feel like they're saying no to me. It's just the idea. 
you know? Right, yeah. And sometimes it is hard to, yeah, draw that line or like, you know, sometimes the lines of friendship and family and um, professionalism and work like kind of get blurred together, but it is important, like you were saying, to, yeah, compartmentalize it and just be able to know at the end of the day that at the, that at the end of the day, your job as a band is to make really awesome music um, and to just do your best at performing. And um, if something has to, you know, go or be changed to do that, then that's that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, um, speaking of your guys' music, um, I think we should play some. But uh, I want to ask you, maybe both of you can speak to this. Um, what's one of the maybe like, it can be an album, a song, an EP or anything. What's kind of something, one of the most rewarding projects um, that you've been able to work on um, so far with the band over the last five, would, seven years? I would think the most record, the most rewarding recordings that we've made have been the most recent ones, which you are not allowed to hear yet. But uh, <laughs> They exist. I, yeah, they, they do exist. And I were... I've been super fired up about them because we were just in the bathhouse last week for mm -hmm. three days just cutting demos. Yeah. And uh, one thing I'm really proud to say about this band is that we keep outdoing ourselves. That's amazing, um, yeah. And I think we all have listened to all of our music and seen the room for improvement and we've acted on it quite successfully so that we're constantly feeling the progression. Uh, but in terms of the recordings that you can hear, <laughs> I mean, uh, I would say um, probably Virginia Sapphire or Christina are the things yeah. I'm most proud of because I think we all saw the vision there. Uh, we all saw what the song was supposed to be and we really successfully executed it. Mm -hmm. Nice. I would, yeah, I would second basically everything that Carl just said there. Um, it's it's funny this these these last few sessions that we did were were very much supposed to meant, supposed to be a demoing process and like let's get some good sounding versions of these songs so we have something to kind of you know s shop around to to labels or try to apply for grants for mm -hmm. um, and then by by the end of the by the end of the three days we we're kind of like looking at each other like okay so like we're three songs down on the next album right like these are these are final drafts basically so yeah. it was. Um, I think like we will probably go back and retouch some things there, but it was yeah. really like, wow, we, we, these these came together so much more cleanly and so much more um, fulfilled than any of us, I think, expected going in. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I certainly didn't expect them to be that good. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, You're so good. <laughs> You're so good. <laughs> oh, man, I'm excited. Um, okay, awesome. So on that note, I think we'll play Virginia Sapphire by The Wilderness. Um, maybe if we have time, we'll play Christina, but we'll see. But we have also played Christina way too many times on the radio keep, this week. Keep it. There's no, <laughs> there's no, no time. Yeah, no such thing. Times. I guess you guys wouldn't say that, but, um, I wouldn't say that either. I, yeah. Imagine just every time you play it, each one of us gets, gets, a, gets to eat a Cheerio <laughs> feeding us. <laughs> okay. That's also about how much Spotify pays out. It's, well, Cheerios, I don't know. One Cheerio I, is probably like an eighth of a Cheerio. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> we get one Cheerio amongst, a uh, Cheerio amongst the five of us. <laughs> It's a quarter, a half a cent, I believe. Yeah, it's yeah. Way I mean, less. I would say probably an eighth of a Cheerio is worth the same price as a Spotify stream. There you <laughs> Anyways, go. you should directly this support artists so that, you <laughs> that you like. <laughs> All right, this is Virginia Sapphire by The Wilderness on CFRC 101.9 FM. You're listening to 101.9 FM. That was Virginia Sapphire by The Wilderness in the studio with us. We have Liam and Carl from The Wilderness, and I'm with Gabe, our summer studio sessions coordinator. And uh, we've been chatting with The Wilderness about their music, about their experience as artists over the last five, seven years, and uh, their show up 
on Saturday, June 4th at the Ale House as part of Spring Reverb. Um, so kind of going back to some more questions, I know that some of you in the wilderness, I'm not sure if you two are, um, but um, I know that some of you folks kind of perform with other musicians and bands. Like um, Jonas performs um, with Casador when they're performing live. Um, I know that Henry and Nick um, are in fake jazz orchestra, but they're like together. I guess they're not with like other people. Um, but, you know, with that, um, how do um, you all kind of um, balance and I guess like not compartmentalize your performancing, your blah, your performances and your musicianship and creation, but... Um, yeah, like, how does that sort of work in terms of, like, maybe creating music? Like, do, you know, if, like, they or if you guys are involved in other bands, too, other music groups, um, is it hard to kind of pick and choose, like, oh, like, I wrote the song, like, where, like, you know, which group should I give it to or whatnot? Um, can you speak to any of that? I don't really see it as actually very difficult because it's just, oh, we've always had the mentality that, like, wilderness is priority number one. Okay. And so all the extraneous stuff for other uh, bands and stuff like that is largely just for fun uh, mm -hmm. and not like, not sort of, it doesn't need as much dedication as the wilderness does. Right. So it doesn't really have much implication on like where, you know, you put your time and effort. Like the priority is always kind of the wilderness mm -hmm. and the rest of this stuff you can enjoy doing and sort of enjoy taking a back seat and like be managed by somebody else and have somebody else just tell you, oh, here's where you play an F, here's where you play a G, and then just go out on stage and have fun. Because right. I, I think a lot of the passion that we have for music in general is split between uh, creating great music in a studio setting and creating like sort of that art form, but the other half of it is performing live. Like play, there's nothing more fun than playing music live when things are working and you feel like you're creating a vibe and curating an experience and you're giving energy to the fans and they're giving it back to you. That's just like innately fun. It's mm -hmm. just an innate adrenaline rush that is probably more addictive than any drug I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Liam, I don't know if you want to speak to that. Yeah, I was going to say the the other the other thing is at the end of the day, like we are all musicians mm -hmm. and ultimately like playing music is is a thing that has it goes beyond just a passionate thing. It's it's kind of like a doesn't feel like survival is possible without it yeah. um in a lot of ways. So, you know, it it for me when because I'm not I'm not really involved in any other projects, but when I saw the other guys kind of branching out, uh it made a lot of sense to me because in my mind it's like, okay, you're you have a skill set as a musician and if you can find a job that allows you to use that skill set, hone that skill set, as far as I'm concerned, we just benefit from that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because it's just more, it's more time Jonas spends playing guitar and thinking about different types of approaches he can take to writing wilderness songs. You know, right. the more time Carl, or sorry, not, uh, the yeah. more time uh, Henry and Nick spend together uh, busking, working on their fake jazz stuff, the tighter they get together and the more kind of ideas for, you know, weird effects, saxophone experimentation that Nick can bring back to the wilderness. So ultimately, I feel like since, like Carl was saying, this has always been kind of the number one A priority for everybody, everything else kind of is just helping to sharpen the the wilderness sword, if you will, because everyone is, is really uh, in tune with themselves as musicians because they're getting reps all over the place as opposed to, you know, 
working, for example, Monday to Friday and then getting the weekend with with the band, it's instead being able to play Monday to Friday. And then by the time you get to the weekend with the band, everyone's like really, really locked in and ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's so the way I've always looked at it, at least. Nice. So you guys kind of uh, view it as not so much as like competition or a threat at all, but it's more so like an opportunity for other people to practice, get inspiration from, and just be better at their skill and craft and bring that into your band. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. And I really like that because I know sometimes like, you know, like it can be... Um, troubling. I guess it depends really on how people view it, but it seems like you guys view it in a pretty positive and good way. Um, and that's really nice that you all kind of like have your priorities straight with the wilderness and uh, can um, just kind of, I guess, be respectful of like everyone else's sort of like interests in doing other things too. But we're, yeah. we're, we're so close as friends that it would be it's it's sort of unthinkable to me that mm-hmm. anything else would kind of take priority over this because it's just been so long and it's been uh, so intense and we've ex- we've experienced such intense things together right. that like I I can't really see uh, that changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also like the 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 thing too is that at this point all of us have put so much blood sweat and tears mm-hmm. into this project that like i don't th- like we're kind of speaking for everyone else but i would be fairly confident that everyone else in the band would would repeat this by saying that like it would be it would be a, a personal disappointment to each one of us to have to choose to step away from the project mm-hmm. because it's the the amount you have to you have to give to something like this to even get to the level where we're at which is still plenty of room for growth mm-hmm. it, it takes you know you you have to give up a lot and you have to be willing to to ex- like really experience a lot of difficult times and a lot of difficult um situations so mm-hmm. i think that's also kind of brought us together in that you know no one really wants to walk away from something that they've invested a lot of themselves into um for right. so many years. Yeah. And, you know, you've put in so much, like you were saying, blood, sweat and tears into this um, project, into this band. And, you know, has there ever been a time where either of you have felt like, you know, burnt out and tired? And I'm sure that you have, especially like through tour, through recording and stuff. And has there ever been moments where like um, it feels more like work and a job and something you have to do than something you want to do? Or have you not 100%. really? Yeah. And how do you? And so if if that's the case, then how do you kind of, you know, remind yourself that this is something you want to keep doing, keep working on and not something that you're going to let burn you out, essentially. So this just reminds me of um, in around 2018 or so, uh, we got a booking agent that was booking us shows across Ontario in, you know, places we'd never been to, bars we'd never played at. And what these bars were expecting were a band to come in and to play for three hours, which is a long time. That is a long time, And to play mostly covers. And they were there to just entertain the people that happened to be in the bar. And those shows could be really fun, but we always had to sprinkle in our own songs, uh, but we didn't really have the choice to be like, we only want to play our own songs. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's when it sort of felt like coming into work and punching a clock because we were going to play, are you going to be my girl? And then we were going to play get lucky. And then like, it it was just really (laughs) soul sucking to play other musicians songs. 
because it wasn't our identity. It wasn't right. really what we were about. And we were just doing it for a paycheck mm -hmm. for the band so the band could keep rolling as an institution or right. as a business. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's really where you could burn yourself out and you could not feel like you were doing it for the right reasons because ultimately those shows were not as gratifying as other shows. Right. So like, and to speak to how to pull yourself out of it, it was just, by doing the opposite, by doing the things that did satisfy your creativity and your your lust for growth and stuff like that. Because if, if we just played a bunch of those songs and then that paid for us to go into the studio to record an original that we were really psyched on, all that being burnt out kind of goes away because we can finally zone in because we're fueled by our own desire to achieve what we want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would I would just basically extend what Carl was saying. And I think like on a less kind of grand scale on a more kind of day to day. Cause like, you know, there's with, with everything you do, there's always times where you're, you know, you're tired, you're burnt out and kind of like doubt will creep into your mind. You mm -hmm. go, Oh, is this like, is this worth it? It's like, I've, I'm so tired. I haven't like slept on my own bed in six weeks or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always found the thing that the thing that pulled me out of feeling like that is, is just, is just doing the thing, like just, just doing all the things that we do as a band. And that can be as simple as like, feeling really burnt out and beat up for a rehearsal and then just some section of a song just hits you a certain way and you're like god that sounds great yeah all right i love doing this mm -hmm. this is amazing or you know you drive for 12 hours show up at a place you don't know like you can barely stand up you're so tired get everything set up and you're like this is just gonna be a brutal show i just have to get through this and then maybe i can get a couple hours of sleep and then halfway through a song you see like three people in the back dancing having the time of their lives mm -hmm. and you're like oh yeah this means something to people this means something like this isn't just a f like a foolish pipe dream that we're all following like it's it really is it really does have meaning and it just reminds you that you know there's a reason you do it and there's a reason that you love it and and frankly like if we all didn't love it and we didn't love each other the way we do it would be it, we, we would have folded years ago. Yeah, it wouldn't just, have been worth doing it's, anymore. It's, it's not worth doing if if you don't truly, truly love the process, like all all difficulties in, included. There's no, you can't enjoy the good without having to go through the bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. So on to our next question. If you could open for any artist. Ooh. So we could divide this. We could go alive and dead or... <laughs> possible well if jonas was here he would 100 percent say bruce springsteen but i don't yeah. think bruce springsteen plays with openers yeah he does does he okay Sometimes depends. i thought he just did three hours straight just bruce no he, he, does, he gives the band like they got a song with the dropkick got a 15 minute yeah, open no, song. A song with the dropkick murphys they gave him a, a hot 30 minutes and they kicked him off stage <laughs> i saw once on a i was uh, on instagram and i saw a sam fender post yeah. and mm. i see the wilderness commented on it let us open for you is that someone that you guys would <laughs> yeah, want? be amazing i but think your sounds also go really well together it would be very like sy synchronous i don't know if that's the word i'm trying to look for but yeah i'm and i mean i think sam fender has inspired us uh in a lot of ways so mm -hmm. i think that that sound being harmonious is not an accident i also think if we could open for the killers that would be awesome yeah, yeah. killers are a group we've been taking a lot of inspiration from nathaniel rateliff and the night sweats oh that's a good one too yeah on a on a 
kind of smaller Canadian level, I would absolutely love to play a show with Half Moon Run. Ooh. That would be yeah. that would be uh, pretty well. mind blowing. And just on like a personal sort of fulfillment level, I think it would be so much fun to be able to play like a sweaty, grimy rock and roll show opening for Fugazi. Just yeah. like totally DIY in someone's backyard yeah. and the PA is just hanging on by a thread. <laughs> yeah. I, I I love that stuff. Yeah. That's it's awesome. if yeah. We we there's not like specific artists that were like, oh, that would be like the perfect for us. It's just like, give us a stage, give us like some some cool people in a band that we can get along with, and and a sound that gels, and and we're there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, be be that whoever it is, as long as we can kind of you know, if it's a, if it's a sweaty backyard barbecue <laughs> punk show, or if it's like an arena show with Bruce Springsteen, like we just. We love playing, we love performing, and we love kind of getting to play with a variety of artists. Hold on, though. I don't think we gave an answer for a dead artist. That oh, a we dead artist. Yeah. Oh. so morbid. I want to I open for Mozart. Yeah, I was going to say Rachmaninoff. <laughs> oh, Rachmaninoff's good. Yeah. What about Chopin? Are you all ready to classical? <laughs> awesome thanks so much guys um and you know kind of ending off now with the nine minutes left um i don't know gabe jackson want to take this last question sure yeah what's next for you guys this summer as a band any new shows um new music anything you can share with our audience so we can't there's not a ton we can share right now we have uh we have a few shows through june um right now basically all of the focus is on uh this Saturday, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's Spring Reverb is a very big festival. The Ale House is quite a nice venue. Uh, we're really, really excited to really blow the doors off the place. We've been preparing for several months for this show. Mm-hmm. We are playing in Montreal the day after, yeah. too. Um, but yeah. other than that, I think this summer is going to be a lot of uh, strategic moves that we can't yeah, exactly share. We yeah. are hard at work on our uh, next record. I think we can say that. Yeah. Um, and we're very, very excited about we're, it. We're going to Labrador in June. That's, oh, that's so true. exciting. Yep. Nice. We're going up to uh, Iron Rock Brewing in Labrador City, and we're playing at CFB Goose Bay, which is the military base, and then the Lawrence O'Brien Art Center in Goose Valley Happy Bay. Happy Valley Goose Bay. Oh, is it the other way around? <laughs> yeah. no, no. That's kind of a mouthful. I don't blame There's, you for that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, He's yeah. American. He doesn't Yeah, know. I'm ignorant. You can't. I'm ignorant. I can't help it. <laughs> um, speaking of like performing and stuff, actually, besides Kingston, um, what's one of your favorite venues or cities to play in? Oh, the Horseshoe in Toronto. Oh, that's the a fun one. Yeah, is, yeah can't really go wrong. Great. Um, uh, I really loved playing in Banff. Uh, yep. Ooh, okay. that, that was a really fun venue. Like, there's been a ton of cities that we've been really welcomed nicely in. Saskatoon. Saskatoon okay. was killer. That was Saskatoon. that was one of the best venues we played at. Awesome. Yeah. Also, like San Diego was just San an Diego. awesome experience. Yeah. Um, where else? Jesus. Some, where's some weird places that we've played that were like surprisingly good? Um, oh, uh, there's a little town in Arkansas oh, called yeah. Eureka Springs. Uh, Arkansas does not have a great reputation, and no. I think that's largely well earned. But at the same time, there's this little like liberal sort of nook in the north of it where, where the Ozark Lakes are, mm-hmm. and it's like this place, Eureka Springs, is just beautiful and mm-hmm. like. You know, you walk into a town in Arkansas and you see this uh, turn of the century architecture and the people are having drum circles and uh, people were really appreciative there that we even showed up. And then you drive five miles out and there's a six foot tall billboard that just says the word Jesus on it. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing else, not advertising anything, just 
Just reminding you. Just reminding you. Yeah, what more do you need, right? (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Carl and Liam, for joining us on CFRC in the booth. If you folks want to check out The Wilderness, be sure to check out their show this Saturday, their big homecoming show at the Ale House. Go to kppconcerts.com to get your tickets. They're only $20. And you get to see four amazing musicians perform. Not only is The Wilderness performing, but they're performing with Hinterwood, Keaton, and Long Range Hustle. Doors are at 7 p.m., so get their early to get a close spot at the stage and uh not to put out a little pun there but i'm sure not that ale is considered one either but you will definitely be seeing me dancing at the dive bar on saturday night you got us oh, <laughs> of course of course i have to i can help uh, uh, myself if, if only i had a soundboard just yeah that's our horn action yeah maybe that's the song we should end off with or christina i'm gonna leave it to you folks oh christina 100%. christina yeah. christina yeah it's been a it's been a banger around cfrc but yeah no dancing in the dive bars is one that i play like five times a day it's bad Try playing it on stage for four years, and I'm sure you'll get sick of it. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair enough. Well, thank you so much again, uh, Liam and Carl, for joining me. Best of luck, and I'll be sure to see you. um, We'll be sure to see you Saturday at the Ale House. Mm. Looking forward to it. Thanks thanks a ton for having us. It's been great. Thank you for coming. Yeah, our pleasure. Thank you for listening to In the Booth, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.